With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. On today's May 27th edition of the show, we will discuss the surprise press conference by Pedroia, Dombrowski, and Cora, as well as the passing of Bill Buckner, the activation of Brock Holt, and uh, sort of the normalization of the roster that comes with that. And then after that, we're going to touch briefly on the performance of the team and sort of um, who they're going to be competing against uh, coming through for the rest of the year. Um, so firstly, let me welcome Keaton DeRocher to the show. Keaton, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. I'm hunkered down in my apartment, uh, braving this uh, wild weather we got in Chicago today. What kind uh, of uh, wildness do you have? Apparently it's like everything. We got 60 mile an hour winds. We got flash floods, and in the uh, south side, I just saw on Twitter that they're they're getting uh, hail the size of golf balls. So I'm really hoping that doesn't make it up north to the north side here, because I don't really want to deal with that. <laughs> well, it sounds like hell has come early for you. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, it was interesting to see uh, clips on Twitter of the first the first like five innings or so of the. Uh, the White Sox and uh, who are they playing? The Royals. Look at they were playing in a hurricane. Yeah, that's surprising considering it's almost June. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Weird stuff. A little wild. Um, speaking of weird stuff, that's a good segue for us. Um, Pedroia tr- sort of dropped the bomb on all of us today by announcing that uh, he is going to be uh, having a press conference with Dave Dombrowski and uh, Alex Cora, which in and of itself sounded weird and ominous because you don't typically have press conferences just to, um, you know, announce like your knee is sore or something like that. So it seemed like something big was going to happen. Um, he was transferred to the 60-day DL, um, and Darwin's and Hernandez was uh, also sent down as Brock Holt was activated. We'll touch more on that later. Um, but he announced that he is going to be uh, taking a step back from baseball activities and that his knee simply wasn't cooperating with him. Um, and I'm going to read a few quotes, uh, and these came from uh, Jen McCaffrey's Twitter account, who was sort of covering it and giving us the gist of it. So definitely check that out if you want um, more more direct stuff. But he, he basically said that he needed some time. Um, he wasn't sure if he's going to be able to play again, um, but he's not thinking of another surgery. Uh, The pain was so bad that it was to the point where he told the trainer that he needed to come out of the game. He woke up. The pain wasn't better. Uh, The knee is simply not allowing him to play. Um, When asked if he was ever going to play again, he said he wasn't sure. Um, Pedroia is not announcing his retirement, um, but he's going to assess the situation, take a step back. Um, It seems like Pedroia is still viewing retirement as the last resort, um, but although this does seem like it's a step towards that being a little more of a reality. Um, so let me just hit you with this, Keaton. 
Uh, what was your reaction to this whole thing today? It, it did kind of come out of nowhere, and it was a pretty big deal for one of the, arguably one of the top ten Red Sox players of all time. Yeah, it. Uh, just listening to him, you could hear he was worn down and just tired, and I really don't blame him. I mean, he's essentially been like rehabbing for almost two years straight, and that's pretty exhaustive. So uh, it seemed like this was as close as uh, he was going to kind of admit or commit to the end. Uh, I'm not surprised that he's taking some time away to just kind of collect himself and see where he's at. It's it's difficult when you're continuing just to rehab all the time. Um, you have to get that kind of locked in your mind that you just have like one or two more hurdles to get over with and then you'll be back at the major league level, but you just couldn't get over any of them. And so it's just, I'm not surprised that he's kind of taking a step back and he definitely sounded, I wouldn't say defeated, but exhausted for sure. Yeah. That's, uh, chronic injuries are just not, not something that's easy to go through. Um, not something that is easy to kind of rationalize in your brain, especially for a guy that's so hyper competitive like Dustin Pedroia. Um, we know how badly he wants to be out there on the baseball field and for his body simply to be refusing to play. Um, you know, he, he, the last time he really played, he was 33 years old. He's 35 now. Um, he's really two years away from removed from the last time he was playing regularly. Um, that surgery just did not go as it expected. Um, yes or no, I guess. Some people say that, you know, this surgery had a tremendous amount of risk in and of itself and that, you know, that just having it was sort of a risk that he would never play again. But I think we all pretty much believed that, hey, this is Dustin Pedroia. Like, it might not work for other people, but it's going to work for Petey because Petey wants it so bad, you know? That's kind of how I felt. I thought it would, yeah, just basically because of his determination of he's a ball player. He loves playing ball, and whatever he was going to need to do to get back out on the field, he was going to do it. So that I feel kind of similar way to you. Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's sort of humbling and and sad in a way that this could be it for him. Uh, it certainly seems like that. I don't anticipate that he's going to play another game. Certainly not this year with the Red Sox. Um, but I think as he sits down and probably talks talks about this with his family and everything, I, I think that ultimately, if I had to guess one way or the another, another, I would guess that this is probably it for him. Sure feels that way. Yeah. It definitely does. And I think we we talked about um, whether we would see him again on a, like a couple pods ago. And it, I, I thought yes at the time, but probably not this year because he wasn't to the point where the major milestone that they kept trying to get him to was playing three games in a row um, in Portland. And he just couldn't get there. Just over and over and over again, he just couldn't get to that third game. And so it seemed like he was pretty far away from rejoining the team if he wasn't able to play that frequently enough. Then there wasn't really a point of having him on the roster. But I still felt like he was going to – he had one year left. Next next year is the last year of his deal, so it just kind of felt like he was going to give it another go. But after the press conference today, it kind of feels like that might not be the case. You might just be like, you know what, I just I can't do it anymore been rehabbing forever yeah it definitely seems like that's kind of 
where his head's at. Um, and actually, his deal does run through 2021. Um, it's 2020, there's 13 million, and then ah, 2021, there's okay. 12 million. So it's a little bit longer term that he has to look out there. And I think he's probably looking at that and thinking realistically, um, my body's probably not going to let me do this at this point. So. Um, we did get a couple listener questions about this, and we'll kind of address those right off the bat. Uh, JJ of the Jet says, uh, how do you feel about my Pedroia question from two pods ago where he said, uh, has PD played his last game? Um, if I'm guessing right now, I would say yes. Uh, what would you say to that? Feels like that's it. Yeah, it really does. Uh, second question comes from Trevor Shackles, and he says, I don't feel strongly either way, but do you think Pedroia gets his number retired once he's retired, which might uh, be soon from now, sadly? Um, so I think this opens up a big question um, where we have to start looking at Pedroia and his place in Red Sox history. And I absolutely believe um, that Pedroia will have his number retired um, with the Red Sox. Um, right now, according to Fangraphs, Pedroia is ranked ninth all-time uh, in war accumulated um, for a Red Sox player behind Ted Williams, Carl Yastrzemski, Wade Boggs, Dwight Evans, Trish Speaker, Bobby Dewar, Jim Rice, and David Ortiz um, with 47.1 career wins. Um, that's good enough, in my opinion, to be retired, uh, have your number retired for the Red Sox. Uh, and also uh, good enough probably to make the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's right at that Jaws level for uh, second baseman, which doesn't have as high a threshold as some of the other positions. Uh, where are you at with him having his number retired? I'm with it. I think he deserves it. Um, all of the accolades and things that he's won, I mean, he's he's won pretty much everything you can win, right? A couple World Series, Rookie of the Year, MVP, Silver Slugger, Gold Glove. I think a batting title is the only thing maybe he didn't win. Yeah, which is kind of shocking because he's had some <laughs> really, really good batting seasons too. Yeah. He, uh, in his in his best season ever for the Red Sox, he batted three eighteen. So I or at no three twenty six. Three twenty six is his best batting average with the team. So um, yeah, I guess I'm a little surprised he never won a batting title, but it's not outrageously high. Um, I think this does bring into discussion uh, whether or not he is the best second baseman of all time for the Red Sox, um, and this is something I'm always super interested in um, because I, you know, I'm a history teacher by day, so I always like comparing errors and things like that. But one of the guys whose numbers already is retired for the Red Sox is number one, uh, Bobby Dewar, who was the second baseman for the Sox from 1937 to 1951. Um, and here is a little bit on how those two careers stack up. Um, Bobby Dewar um, accumulated 32.1 war uh, during his six-year peak versus 31.5 for Pedroia in his six-year peak. Um, Dewar was a nine-time All-Star, uh, never won any other awards other than that. Pedroia is a four-time All-Star, but you already mentioned it, two-time Gold Glover, Rookie of the Year, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Silver Slugger Award. So Pedroia had quite a, a bit more hardware um, by Fangraph's war. Um, Pedroia also had the best statistical season um, of those two. Pedroia's uh, 2011 season, he accumulated 7.9 war uh, in a year that he was just ridiculous defensively and offensively. He batted 307, 387, 474 with 21 home runs and 26 stolen bases in that season. Um, really just spectacular in every way. 
Um, and interestingly enough, with these two guys, they both sort of cratered at the age of 33. Um, Bobby Dewar started playing when he was 19 um, and lasted until his age 33 season. Um, Pedroia started playing for the Red Sox a little bit later. Uh, I believe he was 22 when he made his debut. Um, but um, he uh, he basically his career was basically over uh, at the age of um, 33 as well. So. It's pretty interesting uh, comparison between the two guys. Uh, by Fangraphs, Bobby Dewar does have the edge in war, uh, 53.3 uh, for his whole career versus uh, 46.7 for Pedroia. Um, but Pedroia has the edge uh, in baseball reference war. So it's kind of pick your poison there. Who do you uh, who do you like better out of those two players? Well, probably recency bias, but. I mean, growing up with Pedroia as the second baseman and the heart and soul of those, uh, well, I think it's him and Ortiz in the 07 and 13 season. Uh, I'm just more emotionally attached to Pedroia, so I'll probably go that route, but they're pretty close. Yeah, they, they sure are. Um, Pedroia, by baseball reference, wars 51.7 for his career, um, where... Uh, let me just look it up here. I just had it. Um, Bobby Dewar is um, 51.2. So just 0.5 war difference with uh, that one favoring Pedroia there. Um, it's really, really close. Both these guys were excellent uh, offensive players. Uh, Bobby Dewar had slightly higher OPS, um, more power um, than Dustin Pedroia. Um, his OPS plus was 115. Pedroia's was 113. Uh, by WRC plus, Pedroia was 116 for his career. Dewar was 115. These guys are just ridiculously close in almost every single metric. Um, it's really close. I give the edge personally to Pedroia because of the error that he did it in. I just think it's a little bit more impressive to to have the seasons that Pedroia had against the competition he has. I think that competition just basically gets better uh, as, as time goes on. Um, so that's why I'd sort of give the tiebreaker there, but... I think all in all, when you look at his place in history, um, I think that's the best second baseman who's ever played for the Red Sox, Dustin Pedroia. There's a glaring omission to your list, though, of potential best second baseman. Surprised that you uh, didn't even consider Christian Vasquez for the spot. Yeah, you know, I was thinking hard about it, but um, I figured I'd let his career play out a little bit more before I threw him in the discussion, just out of respect to him and his talent. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. I just want to see see where things end up. Um, any more closing thoughts on Pedroia after we, we got such, such crazy news today? Yeah, I think that pretty much kind of covers it. It's uh, I feel, honestly, kind of the same as when you know it was the end for Ortiz. Kind of almost like uh, it's just weird to think about the Red Sox without him in any kind of capacity. Really? And, uh, you know, I guess all good things must come to an end, but oh, it almost kind of felt like as hard as he played and as much as he loved playing ball that it just might never end for him. But it's, uh, it's really a bummer that it has to kind of end like this where it's, it's not his decision. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, uh, does feel that way. Um, and I'm sad about that as well. Um, but this tends to be how second basemen end their careers. It's not a very forgiving position on the body and certainly not for young, young, small guys like Pedroia was coming up and 
when you think of Pedroia, you just think of this kind of like electric jitterbug type player who's just always moving, always bouncing, always jumping, like basically doing everything possible to make sure his body works as hard as it possibly can. So I guess I'm not all that shocked that his body just kind of ran out of juice at this point. Yeah, this is the ending that Mark Bellhorn deserved, not Pedroia. <laughs> Mark Bellhorn, another Red Sox great. Um, so we did get some more news today. We'll, we'll move on from Dustin and Pedroia. Um, but legendary baseball player uh, and sort of mm, – infamous infamously uh for his 1986 world series era bill buckner passed away today at the age of 69 from dementia um bill buckner uh is famous for the the hit by mookie wilson uh that went through his legs in game six of the 1986 world series um but what people often forget about bill buckner is that this guy played 22 seasons he won a batting title he had over 2700 hits uh he had most of his best seasons out with the Cubs where you are Keaton um, and his knees were kind of shot from banging into the wall out there and all sorts of stuff so by the time he got to the Red Sox I think he was traded to the Red Sox in 84 he didn't have a whole ton left and he probably shouldn't have even been in that game at that point but things got so bad for him here from the media and fans and all that after the 86 World Series that he ended up moving to Idaho um, and it's sort of a sad story this guy was sort of blamed for 86 years of misfortune uh, by the Red Sox for a long time. The only thing I can think of is just thank God social media wasn't around in that days because oh, I no. feel like it would have been so much worse than it already was, and it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was. It was really bad. Um, there's an interesting uh, article uh, that you should check out on ESPN.com uh, right now talking about uh, his death, uh, and I'll, I'll read a few paragraphs from it that I thought were really good. Uh, it says, The next step came four years later in the Red Sox 2008 home opener. That previous October, the team had won its second World Series title in four years. And on that April day, they were celebrating it with past and present Boston sports greats. One of them there, uh, one of them there Bill Buckner. From out under a massive American flag, draped over the green monster, Buckner was introduced to the crowd and walked slowly to the mound amid a standing ovation that lasted nearly two minutes. With tears in his eyes, the left-hander delivered the ceremonial first pitch, a strike to former teammate Evans as the Fenway faithful roared. This is a quote from, uh, from Buckner here. He said, I really had to forgive, not the fans of Boston per se, but I would say in my heart I had to forgive the media. Buckner said of why he decided to return to Fenway for what they put me and my family through. So, you know, I've done that and I'm over that. Um, it's just kind of, just kind of goes to show you like this moment defined most of his life. Like from that moment forward, I mean, we're talking 2008. So 2008, I, I'm not going to be able to do the math in my head, but 86 to 2008, what are we talking? 22 years at that yep. point. Um, oh, look at that. I did math. Um, so yeah, 22 years that Bill Buckner had to basically wear this on his sleeve every single day and think about it constantly. And then finally getting closure, uh, with the Red Sox winning those world series, this guy got a really, really raw deal. I mean, think about that. It took the Red Sox winning two world series for him to come back. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. 
Pedroia's first World Series, by the way, just to bring it full circle. Shouts to Mike Lowell. <laughs> Big shouts to Mike Lowell. Big ups to Josh Beckett. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's surprising. Um, you know, I was I was not even born when that happened. I was I'm an '87 baby, so I don't remember anything about that. But I grew up with with the stories, and you know, my my pain, my generation's pain is 03. So um, my dad's generation is '86. Um, but it's uh, it's just it's it's sad the the way that that went for him, um, and. You know, he passes away from dementia. I don't remember if I said that yet, but um, hopefully, uh, you know, he and his, his family had some peace, and we wish the Buckner family uh, the best. And, you know, I think that finally there's no animosity here, and there really shouldn't have been any in, in the first place. Yeah, at the very least, um, I'm glad that he was able to get closure with the city of Boston in general. And have that happen i mean i guess as timely as it could it shouldn't have happened like you said it shouldn't have happened in the first place but uh for him to at least be on good terms with the city at the end i think is a positive for buckner and the red sox in the city of boston and we never would have had 04 without bill buckner so big thank you to bill buckner yeah also interesting to note uh for his career uh 4.5 uh, walk rate and a 4.5 strikeout rate. He was basically like the Will and Ostadios of the 70s and 80s. <laughs> he wasn't quite as large, though. No. Yeah, good point. <laughs> He's a handsome guy, that Bill Buckner. Yeah. Um, we got to talk about Brock Holt. Um, we've, we've talked a lot about historical stuff at the beginning of this podcast today, but Brock Holt was finally activated uh, to the roster. Our Darwinson Hernandez was sent down without actually pitching. Uh, he was kind of brought up as insurance, um, but they didn't have to use him. Um, but more importantly, the roster finally looks normal like it should. Um, the Red Sox now have a bench of Sandy Leone, Steve Pierce, Eduardo Nunez, uh, and Brock Holt. And their bullpen is down to seven arms with uh, Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, uh, Brennan Workman, Heath Embry, Marcus Walden, Travis Lakins, and Hector Velasquez. Um, and with Dustin Pedroia being being put on the 60-day uh, DL, or IL, I should say, um, this free, frees up his roster spot. Uh, now the only pieces that they're really waiting on to come back are uh, Sue Weylin, who, who will probably be optioned at this point, um, Nathan Eovaldi, who when he comes up will take the spot of Ryan Weber, uh, and Brian Johnson, uh, who could potentially take the spot of uh, either Travis Lakins or Hector Velasquez because both of those guys have options or they could potentially uh, well no he'll have to take that spot because he's out of options when they activate him so um, and then they'll have to make a choice about Tyler Thornburg when he's done but I would expect that he gets DFA'd and then the last guy they have to think about is uh, Stephen Wright who will be eligible to come back from his suspension in late June 80 game suspension he'll probably have a little bit of a, uh, a stint to kind of get sharp again um, but he is also out of options so you'd envision that uh, what will probably happen back there is that Johnson and Wright will take the spots of Lakins and Velasquez uh, Thornburg will be DFA'd and Eovaldi replaces Ryan Weber um, but nonetheless, it looks like a more normal baseball roster than it has in a while. It does. Finally feels, uh, I mean, we haven't had the injury issues of like the Yankees 
but we haven't really had the core of the roster together for much more than like what a week. So it's nice to kind of have these things start sliding into place again. Yeah, it sure is. Um, and there really isn't a whole lot of um, other options when you're looking down at the 40-man roster of like things that they could do internally anymore. There's really not very many position players up on the 40-man. There's Oscar Hernandez, uh, Sam Travis, and Joey Carletta. None of those guys are probably going to get any playing time in, unless it's a worst-case scenario. And for arms on the 40-man, you're looking at Brewer, uh, uh, Bobby Pointer, Josh Taylor, Josh Smith, Darwinson, and Denny Reyes. Um, So realistically, the only one of those guys who would probably see time in in the case of an injury, especially as the year progresses, would be Darwinson Hernandez, who has some some good stuff and, and upside. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see Colton Brewer back anytime soon, especially with some of these other guys getting close. Yeah, um, I think you had actually tweeted it out earlier that you had hoped that the Darwin's and uh, promotion was more permanent instead of more of an insurance role. Yeah, and I'm with you on that one. I would like to see him more. I, it, it's weird to think of a guy that you know is just popping up in Double A. I feel better about him pitching in the majors and some of the other arms that they have in the bullpen, but I. I guess it kind of comes with having the roster kind of back into normal shape is that now we can go back to worrying about biggest hole on this team is the bullpen. And that's not fun. I don't want to do that. But I guess it's better than a bunch of holes in the actual batting order. But they, I just, I want them to make moves sooner rather than later. And I think that was a low-risk, high-reward, one that you didn't have to really put a whole lot of effort or thought even into, keeping him up there and getting him some run. That seems like uh, it made all the sense in the world. I'm surprised that he was sent back down. Yeah, I guess at this point, they feel like he still has a lot of things to work on, um, and, and I would agree with that. I think his control still has some stuff to work on, but what I was saying to Matt Collins on the Locked on Red Sox podcast this past week was that the thing I love about Darwinson is unlike some of the other back-end options in Heath Embry and Lickens and Hector Velasquez, um, when you put Darwinson in the game, that's a guy who could strike out the heart of an order. You know, he's uh, He's got that type of stuff, so it gives you a real X factor. A guy can, that can also go multiple innings in the same way that Marcus Walden can go multiple innings, and especially now that the Red Sox have clearly moved Marcus Walden up uh, in the leverage uh, sort of pecking order, um, sort of moved down Ryan Brazier. Um, Marcus Walden actually got a save the other day. Um, you know, Marcus Walden might not be going multiple innings as often as he was before. So um, that kind of gives you a different look. And and I get the fact that, like, he can come in and just be wild and, and give up the game for you. But I don't think he's any more likely to give up the game for you than a Lakins or a Velasquez or, or even a Hembry is. Right. But his ceiling is so much higher, and getting into the experience in the major leagues uh, seemed to make all the sense in the world to me. So maybe uh, as you just kind of outlined all of the potential moves that are going to happen with the bullpen uh, in the coming weeks slash months, maybe that's one of them, is getting him up there and getting more time. Um, but it may take uh, maybe an injury or two. 
or hopefully biting the bullet on Thornburg. That'd be great. Yeah. We're going to have to see how things shake out. I, I still think the team will probably look to add and should look to add a reliever as we get towards the trade deadline, which really isn't even that far away now at this point. Um, we're kind of creeping up on, on that point. We've already got basically a third of the season in the books, which is kind of crazy um, that things are flying by so fast. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think it, we're not going to see the same bullpen, certainly, in July that we are seeing right now. Um, but I think that emergence of, of Marcus Walden is basically the, the biggest positive that we could possibly have had from this season. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely so far. Um. Let's uh let's talk a little bit about um where the Red Sox stand in the American League right now. Um the Red Sox just finished up a series versus Houston. Um luckily for the Red Sox, they are done playing Houston for this year after like six games against them. Um which didn't go particularly well. Um they went two and four against Houston. Um they're a really good team. Um they're definitely in better shape right now than the Red Sox are, playing much better baseball. Red Sox were super close in that series. Probably should have won at least one of those first two games this last series. Um, ultimately ended up coming away with just one. Oddly enough, the one against Verlander, which no one predicted. Um, but the Red Sox, as it stands right now, are 28-25. and 25, um, Third in their division. Um, and they're tied with Oakland uh, for the second wild card spot. Um, at 28-25, as I said. It seems like they're going to be battling Oakland and Cleveland um, for the wild card spot at this point. It seems like both of those wild cards are very likely to be uh, from the American League East, whether that's the you know, the Rays or the Yankees, whichever one of those teams ends up coming out. It seems like one of those teams is basically a lock, and then it's going to be the Red Sox battling with those other teams to uh, to get one of those spots. Uh, seven games back of the Yankees now, it seems sort of far-fetched that the Red Sox would uh, get the division at this point. Well, I'm not so sure. Um, still have plenty of games against the Yankees left to make up ground, including they got a series coming up against them in a little bit, too. Um there's a lot of season left, and I, I we talked about it on the last uh, pod. Just their upcoming schedule is brutal, uh, and they have a lot of games against teams that are kind of right there around where they're at. Like they're playing Cleveland right now, who they'd be fighting for the wild card spot. They got uh, Tampa coming up. They got the Yankees coming up. They just finished with uh, the Astros, so they could make up some pretty significant ground against the teams that are just ahead of them. And, you know, if that brings us to the end of June and they're only, you know, three and a half back of the Yankees, I wouldn't be shocked if they could pull out the division and from there. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly possible. It's just also possible that those teams are playing so well right now that they could be nine or ten games out by that point. Um, those are tough yeah. games. Um, and this upcoming stretch is going to determine a lot about sort of where the Red Sox do stand going into the the trade deadline and, and the break and, and all those different things. Um, because unlike the Yankees who play every single game against the Baltimore Orioles, uh, the Red Sox <laughs> actually play real baseball teams. And, uh, you know, it's been difficult for these guys to, to stack up wins and, and get things going. And, and you know what? I have to give credit to the Yankees because they've had, like, everybody hurt. But at the same time, I mean, like, what the fuck? Those guys played Baltimore 12 fucking times already. Come on. 
was it ten of Gleyber uh, Torres? 12 home runs have come against Baltimore this season. Yeah. It's a little absurd. Yeah, but Gleyber Torres and Gary Sanchez basically have a team's worth of home runs against the Orioles this season. Like yeah. a bad team. Like a like a Royals team worth of home runs. But the good news is maybe down the stretch when uh, things are going to count, the Red Sox are going to have more games against Baltimore than the Yankees. That's true. So it's a good thing they're on our schedule a lot too. I feel I feel though like even even if things kind of play out as they're playing right now and the Yankees take the division and the Rays take the first wild card spot, I like the Red Sox team more than I like Oakland or Cleveland from this point out. Yep, I would agree with that too. Although something to keep in mind is uh, we know that eventually Tyler Glasnow is coming back for Tampa Bay, but so is Brent Honeywell, and their starting rotation is going to look rather interesting uh, once we Honeywell... get down the stretch. Is he healthy? Because I know that they had shut him down again at one point. Yeah, uh, the last report that I had read on him, because I have him, uh, I have a couple shares of him in fantasy, was that they shut him down, but they didn't expect his timeline to uh, be affected that much, and they still are targeting like early July for him to be throwing baseballs again. Hmm. Okay, cool. Yep, it's going to be a battle, but I think that uh, ultimately the Red Sox will end up at the playoff spot one way or another. I just wouldn't be shocked if it was a playing game. Definitely if it's Oakland, um, I am not afraid of Oakland in a one-game playoff whatsoever. Tampa Bay I would be because they have the starting rotation with Snell and Morton and potentially Glasnow and Honeywell that they can put up a pretty strong fight in a one game but Oakland I would not be worried about them at all yeah we got some pretty good guys though too Chris Salesman sure do he is um all right let's get some listener questions here we got a question from Ward who asks us if Kimbrell were signed today how long before you'd feel comfortable making him our top bullpen arm I'm sorry. I just have I have the Red Sox game on right now, and the the Cleveland pitcher was just brought out. Apparently, his spikes were, uh, I guess, illegal. They just brought him out a new pair of spikes. He's putting on putting on a brand new pair of shoes here. <laughs> just in the middle of the game. Like he's sitting <laughs> on the mound, changing his shoes right now. Yeah, they like he the umpires just told him like. You can't wear the ones you got on, man. So he took them off like a trainer just ran him out a new pair of spikes. Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's what we're doing here. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Baseball. What a sport. All right. So to the question, uh, I would feel pretty good almost immediately. Um, I mean, Barnes has been uh, a little bit better than I had anticipated, but I don't I don't think anybody currently in the bullpen is as good as him and I would waste no time making him the the best arm in the bullpen. Two weeks. Two weeks for me. Let him uh let him get used to playing baseball again, but yeah, then he's uh he's right there in the back. And he's the guy who doesn't like to move from the back. So think about that. You just cement him as the closer and then you've got Barnes uh and Walden who you can just move around as you wish. Um, in multi-inning stints back there, and all of a sudden you're just deadly. So it's almost like they should have signed him at the beginning of the year. <laughs> yeah, see, the weird thing is uh, the Red Sox are the only team that wouldn't have to give up a draft pick to have signed him in the beginning. 
Oh, so it's almost like this is dumb and we shouldn't even be answering this because they should have done it already. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, Ward, you're not dumb. The Red Sox are dumb. All right. Another question from JJ the Jet again. He says, uh, the question, second question, can Walden be our closer? He shut down the Astros lineup pretty easily. Hell yeah, he can be our closer. Dude is filth. The only thing is, I don't want to waste them as like a closer because I think the closer role is like, it's important, but it's not that important to me. Um, it's more important for me to have Walden and Barnes in there against the best part of the lineup when it's the highest leverage spot. I love I love the way that Cora uses those two guys currently. Yep, I echo that. Okay. Next question and final question comes from Ben Jacobson. This is, why can't this team play well on a consistent basis rather than go hit hot and cold? Um also, who would be your ideal trade targets and possible acquisition at the trade deadline this year to address the positions of need? So I guess let's take this with, with two separate uh, questions here. Um, first of all, I mean, no one knows why they haven't been able to be consistent. It's been really frustrating. We did talk about this, uh, Matt and I, on Friday's edition of Locked On. Uh, this team, on paper, looks like their offense has been performing great, but what we've really seen throughout the year is just these these offensive onslaughts and then leaving a shitload of men on base in important games and not actually cashing in. So they're scoring a lot of runs in the aggregate, but not necessarily when they count. And I don't know, Keaton, maybe you have a different answer than this, but like, I don't know that there's any rhyme or reason to that other than just simply baseball. Yeah, that's probably the best explanation for it. (laughs) And it's, it's very frustrating. And it, it honestly, it feels like, um, Two seasons ago, um, Farrell's last year, when they started the season, they had like the best pitching rotation in the majors through the first two months. They couldn't score more than like, two runs a game, and then it completely flipped the second half of the season where they were scoring like eight runs a game, but they were giving up like 15. Uh, at least they are not quite that inconsistent, so I guess that's a small victory, but it's very frustrating, especially against teams uh, that they should beat um you never want a team to play down to the competition because those are the teams that always underperform and it seems like so far uh through the you know the first third of the season there's been times where they've done that they haven't consistently done that but there's been times where they should have taken a game and they didn't and it's like you just kind of go back to last year and how that team always figured out how to win every single game no matter what the odds were uh, and it's just not happening this season against teams that they should beat. So hopefully that's the piece that I want turned around so they don't, like, drop a four-game set to Detroit in July or something like that. Yeah, that's that would, just, that would be That's going to piss me off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, would, that would be not fun for anybody. Um, as, as far as the second part of the question, uh, trade deadline, who are some of their targets? I think that guys that you'll see the Red Sox target at the trade deadline uh, should and will be um, guys who are closers for bad clubs or really high leverage relievers for bad clubs. Uh, Guys that come to mind for me, Shane Green with Detroit, who's had a really good year so far. Uh, Will Smith, who's actually a lefty, um, which would be a great fit in this bullpen. Uh, He's out in uh, San Francisco. Um, Potentially maybe somebody like a... 
Rysel Iglesias, although he's locked up, so he'll be really expensive, so probably not on that account. Um, maybe a Kirby Yates if San Diego finds itself out of contention. Um, that would take know. a lot. Yeah, that would definitely be expensive. What, do you, so, what are your thoughts? I had two names, and you hit on one of them. Will Smith was one of the ones that I have. Uh, he's going to be highly sought after because the Giants are trash, and he's very good. Uh, and the other one was I want the Red Sox to take advantage of the Nationals implosion and go get Doolittle. I love Doolittle. Um, I would I would adore Doolittle on this team. He is yeah. so much fun. Oh, my God. That guy's yeah. fastball is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like, he has a ton of fun. It, his pitch his pitch makes no sense. It defies the rules of baseball. It's not particularly hard for a fastball, and it e- doesn't even have a super high spin rate, which is typical of fastballs that have a ton of rise or perceived rise on them. It's just something about the way that he throws that pitch that gives it additional quote-unquote rise, which basically makes his fastball like no one else's fastball in baseball and no one can touch it and it's amazing to watch so and also he seems like a wicked cool dude and i would love to have him on the red Sox. so i'm huge rooting for that that's that's an awesome call man what would it take to get uh somebody like doolittle what do you think they'd have to give up that's a good question would Um, dahlbeck get it done or would it take more than dahlbeck Yeah, that seems like that would probably be enough. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I really want Doolittle now. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I stoked you up there. Yeah, yeah, I love that. But, I mean, we had the exact same thought process. We immediately went to uh, high-leverage relievers on teams that sucked. Yeah. And Washington is uh, in a bit of a free fall right now. So they should blow it up, and he should be available. And I'd like to see the Red Sox get him. Washington sucking makes beyond no sense, by the way. Like, yeah. They they have the top three arms in the National League in terms of strikeouts uh, by starters. Um, they have a great closer, and they have several amazing young players in Juan Soto, Trey Turner, um, Anthony Rendon. I mean, you look, that roster just has gobs and gobs of talent all over it. Victor Robles. I mean, everywhere you look, that team is really good. I don't know. There's got to be something like toxic about either the locker room or the management or something. Cause that team is just snake bitten and cannot seem to get it together. It has a real like Red Sox 2012 vibe, but without the uh, like best record in the majors at the all-star break. Maybe uh, maybe we should send down some chicken and beer. <laughs> hey, anything to get Doolittle. Maybe we have to throw in, you know, like a a bucket of uh, Popeyes with Dahlbeck, and then we'll get it done. So we'll send Dahlbeck on a plane <laughs> with, like, a 30 rack in a bucket of chicken? Yeah. And then they'll just send back Doolittle? Yeah. Okay. That sounds good to me. That's a good trade. I like that. That's a good uh, good point to end this on. Um. Keats, before we do end the show, though, um, you want to give a, a last call for um, for some reviews for OOTP Baseball? Yeah. We would uh, – we actually – we picked up a couple more reviews. Um, awesome. I am hoping – so one thing to note 
that it does take like 24 to 48 hours for your um, review to post. So if you'd submit a review and then we're like, wait a minute, it's not there. How do I take a screenshot of it? It does eventually pop up. You just have to like wait a day or two. But we are coming down to the end of the deadline of getting uh, giving us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. And then send us a screenshot of your review by June 1st. And then we are going to randomly select one. And you get yourself a license, fresh license of Out of the Park Baseball 20, which is a wonderful simulation game. So if you think, hey... I bet I could build a nice bullpen for this team. You can with Out of the Park Baseball 20. So give it a shot. See what you can do. Turn this around. Maybe even before the season starts, sign Kimbrel. Who knows? See how that plays out. Okay. You heard it here first from Keaton. Um, so I'll get those in, and uh, we would appreciate that. And you will appreciate your gently used license of OOTP 20. Um, anyhow, that does it for the show. We want to thank you for listening, tuning in to us. Um, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Over the Monster Podcast. Ours will be the first one to come up. There's one from the previous Over the Monster Podcast. Don't click on that one. Uh, click on this one. Uh, and subscribe to us. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya, anywhere you get your podcasts. Um, and also you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me at, at @devjake, and you can follow the Over the Monster account for all your Red Sox needs at Over the Monster. So thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be with you at this same time next week. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. <laughs>